Well, okay, boys and girls, sports fans and assorted waves and strays, I have DJ Adams on the line talking to me today. And DJ, tell us what you do, please, pal. Not many people know. Not enough people know. Let's put it that way. Not, not enough people know exactly. World domination is not right there. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me, Dan. Um, uh, my name is DJ Adams. I'm working uh, for SAP in uh, the developer relations team, uh, in the sort of the wider team. And then within that, um, there's an evangelists uh, sub team, and I'm one of the evangelists alongside an, about another nine or ten colleagues around the world. Yeah. And I'm yeah doing evangelism stuff. Uh, uh, evangelism, advocacy, developer outreach. No, I think, you know, pick, pick, pick your term. Right, right, right. I, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of the, the term evangelist because uh, it always has um, images of me of somebody getting nailed up on a cross at some point in time, which doesn't sound like a great idea to me. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely this, um, this sort of connotation with preaching and... Um, is it Billy Graham? As I always think of Billy, is it Billy Graham the name? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, American, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I always think of Billy Graham when I think of evangelism, which is why... For example, on my LinkedIn, I've put uh, developer outreach and advocacy because I think, um, especially you know, developer outreach is great, and you know, I think people understand what that phrase means. I'm yeah. reaching out to developers, but advocacy is a great word in my opinion because um, it means to me advocating uh, on behalf of you know external developers in the SAP ecosphere internally to SAP, but also advocating. Um, uh, on behalf of developers inside of SAP, outwards, you know, sort of trying to bridge that bridge that, uh, that gap, as it were. And you know, actually, today was a really good example of that. Yeah, what what, what a link! Today was a good example of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I prefer that because um, the, the, one of the complaints that I hear from developers is, oh, there's just too much marketing and not enough stuff, right? And and when you talk in terms of advocacy. That, I would imagine, would resonate with them far more closely than, hey, here's my come-to-so-and-so moment, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think there's, there's definitely a degree of, with a small m, marketing required to, to get the word out. Yeah. Um, again, I, you know, I've experienced that recently with you know, getting the word out about the live stream episodes I've been doing and everything. So there is definitely some, uh, you know, some amount of marketing and so on. Um, to, to sort of let people know what's going on because you know not everyone on Twitter all the time, some people yeah. not even on Twitter at all, for example. Um, but yeah, as, as a developer, you know, whether I'm working for SAP or not, as a developer, I, you know, my brain is tuned more to advocacy style uh, output than, you know, what I would call, you know, evangelist or marketing output. Sure. You know, it's, a, it's a natural tendency for developers to, to relate to to mm-hmm. trust more um, f- uh, people who are talking to them at their level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to me about the the live stream thing that you're doing. I mean, you you've launched that quite recently. What is that about, and how's it going? Um, so yes, I launched it um, this year. Um, launched it a bit earlier, but yeah, I suppose I did. Um, so live streaming um, uh, for for those who don't know is basically you know you're doing stuff. It's like a screencast. It's like a screen recording. It's like you know a recording that you might put on YouTube for people to watch, but you do it live. Mm. Um, so it's a broadcast approach, mm. and um, there's a number of different live streaming platforms. The most popular of which, um, and the most accomplished uh, from a feature point of view for broadcasters and subscribers, is Twitch, and that's what I'm using. Ah, um, live streaming. 
um, is uh, I think I think it starts out in the gaming world where people live stream a lot of they play games and live stream them and other people watch. I'm not quite sure I understand why, but I can sort of I can sort of get, get it. I guess they don't get what why we live stream coding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically doing stuff live um, with an audience who are there with you in the chat. Um, and uh, you know, you, you inter- the, the whole point is you interact with them. You, you know, you're building uh, a community. Mm-hmm. We're learning from, and this is not me being sort of you know uh, falsely magnanimous or anything. Um, you're, you're, you're lear- I'm learning from the, 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 the participants who join. They're learning from me. We're all learning from each other, and it's it's a really fun sort of environment for. Uh, and it, for, for, for learning tech stuff. And the point is that, and I sort of deliberately set out this way, the point is that if you don't see my screen mm-hmm. with code on it mm-hmm. for uh, more than 50% of the, you know, of any given episode, then I'm doing something wrong. You know, um, it's not about interviews per se, you know, mm-hmm. even though I had a, you know, a guest on and we did, you know, we did have a little bit of a, a tete-a-tete uh, for about 10 minutes before we launched into what was on his screen, mm-hmm. um, but the whole point of live coding, uh, live stream coding, is that you know we're, we're hacking on stuff and making mistakes and trying to figure things out ourselves. It's um, interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's just Sorry, go on. It's, it's interesting that you say no, tw- Twitch because um, you know I, I'm um, I'm playing around with a bunch of formats at the moment, trying to figure out you know you know should we should we go down the broadcast route or should we just simply record things or what should we do? And I've been playing with OBS. Um, one of those open source things, and and they talk about, you know, um, working it with Twitch. And um, my understanding is that Twitch is, in fact, or was very much a, a gaming um, environment. And but you're taking it to a, into a different direction, which I think is really fascinating, really fascinating. So, so what what actually happens? You record the stuff. You, sorry, you do the live stream. And then, and then what happens? Does it actually go out on Twitch as a recorded item as well? It does, yes. So um, I'm also, just by the way, I'm also using OBS. All right. Um, so I'm probably using a similar setup to you. So I use OBS. Um, I've got a Twitch account, and I've connected that account to OBS. Mm. Um, and so Twitch, um, as, a, as a streaming platform, has these ingestion servers, and you have a key, you know, my private key, et cetera. So I've got that configured in OBS. Mm. And I just press the button and say, start stream. Um, and also it will start a recording locally as well, just in case, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and it goes out straight to Twitch. The, the viewers join Twitch. Um, they follow me. They see the stream live in their little Twitch viewer. Um, they've got a chat window as well. They can chat with each other and with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all sorts of you know features like you know I can, I can create this series and information about the series, information about the episodes. They can get reminders and so on. Mm. Um, you know, it's all sorts of things you can imagine. Um, and so, yeah, it, it goes out live, but also Twitch, the platform itself, records the live stream, so it's available immediately after um, the broadcast. Right. Um, we're also planning as well, um, as in we, as in uh, DevRel, uh, planning to make those videos also available on um, on the SAP developers' uh, YouTube channel, just because, you know, because why not? Yeah. Um, but the streaming itself... Um, you know, is is definitely a uh, you know a Twitch platform thing for me. Yeah, and and it, it, I also find it fascinating. It's not it's not just me. Um, uh, I'm I'm not pioneering this uh, live streaming of coding on Twitch. You know, there are there are many people who have gone before me, and I, you know, I, I followed. I'm following in their footsteps and learning from them as well. I mean, one of the one of the people 
um, that I follow now on Twitch, a live coder, is uh, Sue Hinton, Noobcat, um, and she wrote a blog post which was really influential, uh, you know, lessons from my first year of live streaming on Twitch. And there's lots of other people as well um, that I've learned everything that I do, I've learned from them. And, you know, so th there is definitely a, you know, a, a growing community of momentum on Twitch in the science and tech category, mm. um, which is all about, uh, you know, live streaming programming topics. Okay, so you're going to be able to put it out on the SAP YouTube channel, which is great. How about um, having it available in the SAP Community Direct in, um, what's it called these days, SCN or whatever it's called? Yeah, well, in the SAP Community, yeah, yeah, uh, got it right first time. So um, uh, there's no reason why not, apart from the fact that one of the reasons for putting it for me as a, as a consumer you know, one of the great reasons for putting it on YouTube is that there are various tools for managing playlists and, you know, watch later yeah. um, and also downloading stuff. You sure. know, um, YouTube download, for example. And one of the things I love as well, and, and you can do this on the Twitch recordings, but uh, YouTube works even better for me for watching pre-recorded stuff. I'll go into the living room um, or the study or whatever, use my Chromecast and cast the whole thing to my big TV so I can watch it there. Um, so uh, personally, I, I don't see much reason for putting it on SAP Community as well. I, mean, I think I could see uh, definite reasons for writing about and uh, writing about the episodes and pointing to YouTube. Mm. But you know, hosting and being able to you know stream and cope with the demands of you know lots of people trying to pull this uh, information down, stream this video uh, live, uh, sorry, stream this video. Uh, you know, multiple times from the SAP community website mm. um, is probably a strain on the servers that is not necessary and uh, something we don't want. So, you know, right. why not use YouTube what it's built for? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what I was thinking more in terms of though was maybe some some sort of transcription of the um, of the of the key points that come out of a particular live stream more than anything uh, else. Yes, yes, no, that's a really good idea. In fact, I was discussing with a colleague of mine, Maxi. Um, just after the stream this morning, mm. um, one of the things I've seen people do on uh, YouTube screencasts, again because of a feature of YouTube for, you know, watching recordings, is I could send you then a link saying, "Oh, watch this video," and the URL has not only the video ID but a start time in terms of minutes and seconds. So I can say, "Goes to you know minute 17 uh, and 45 seconds," mm. because that's when X starts. So I can imagine, and this is what we were talking about. Sort of an, almost like an annotated um, section heading with links directly to the certain, the right sections in mm. the videos. Yeah, so I mean, so it's like if you're interested in this part and go straight here. Yeah, I mean, when when John Reed and myself were running JDOD, one of the things that we did was to create um, what are called show notes, which is essentially what you're saying there. You know, that you'd have yes, a yes, you'd have a timestamp and then a particular topic and so on and so on and so on. It works. Um, up to a point, but what I also, what I've discovered anyway recently, and, and this is in, as it relates specifically to podcasts, but I can also see how this would also relate to video as well, and that is that people like to consume things in multiple ways. So <clears throat> what I've gotten into the practice of doing now is to to create some sort of summary of what whatever it is that we've talked about on a particular show, put that out as a piece of text content, but have the link to the the audio available if somebody wants to, uh, to, to listen to it. Because, you know, I, I mean, personally, I love audio and I love video, but, but at the end of the day, they're linear. 
and um, text you can view as almost non-linear because you can consume it, you know, wherever you want. Whereas with audio, you've got to find it, and video, you've got to find it, and that isn't always as convenient for people as uh, as perhaps we would like. But um, it, again, we're in. We seem to be in a non-stop period of of experimentation about trying to find out what works and what what doesn't work. And I think from everything that I've seen on your side of things, the live stream has actually taken off pretty quickly, hasn't it? It has, yeah. So um, I think the, the first live stream I had, uh, I think I was peaking at, at 60 viewers. Yeah. Um, I, I said to Michelle's wife um, before the first live stream, uh, you know, I'd be super happy and I'm going to drink a, a, a bottle of really strong beer if it happens, if I get five if I get five people live in the, in the stream. Yeah. I got 60. Wow. Um, uh, since then, it's, it's sort of averaging around sort of 35, um, which, which is really you know, still amazing. You know, I, I'm very, very happy with that. And I've, I've got, you know, um, the, the number of minutes of the watched you know, replays is in the thousands and everything, which is, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, just, I just want to go back to your point, actually. About, you, you said that um, people learn in different ways or you know, they consume, they like to consume in different styles. And that's absolutely one of the reasons that's driven me to uh, take this initiative. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. Some people like to read health documentation. Some people like to read blog posts. Some people like to um, talk, you know, one to one over coffee. Some people like to watch recordings, uh, live streams. So this is not. I know I'm not, I'm not saying this. You know, this was never intended to replace anything. It's just a, you know an, an additional medium mm -hmm. uh, that people can can use and everything, and it can be complemented and hopefully also complements mm. other like blog posts and everything. Okay. And. It was it was something um, that uh, I think it was um, something that James Governor had said in a conversation about you know um, live streaming uh, programming stuff you know is, is growing from an interest perspective and I thought you know what I really like the idea of watching somebody live stream uh, live code because I can learn I not only can learn from them about the subjects at hand. But also how they go about things, how they think, the tools they use, you know, their settings and their editors. You know, it's all fascinating. It's like, you know, what, what does your house, you know, how have you decorated your living room? That mm. sort of thing, but from a, from a geeky perspective. Yeah. So I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm big enough and daft enough to give it a go. Because it's terrifying as well. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, what happens if you, if you fire it up and nobody turns up, right? <laughs> oh, ah, sorry. Um, if nobody turns up, then, you know, I like the sound of my own voice, so that's fine. I'll just carry on, right? And, that's, and actually, that, jokes aside, I, I think that's one of the things that, that you have to do in live streaming. You know, just keep going, have faith in everything. I've, I've joined the, the, the Twitch subreddit to learn from those folks talking about live streaming there as well. Yeah. And that's a common thing. Well, you know, some people, somebody would say, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing this, but I've only got a few followers and I've you know, only had like a handful of people on my streams. What do I do? The advice is, keep going, keep doing it, be regular, have a schedule, be predictable, um, and so on. So there's so much to learn. And it's, yeah, uh, and, and so, but, but the terrifying part was, you know, it feels like I'm spinning about 74 different plates on sticks when I, when I go live <laughs> because it's still a big um, And this morning was uh, even worse in a way, even better, even worse, because I had Christian Georgi, uh, an SAP internal developer, talking to me and doing uh, doing some demos for us on the live stream. Mm. And I had to use, and I'm sure you'll know all about this, uh, then I had to use this um, virtual audio loopback software to capture the audio from 
the Slack video conferencing that I was using to be able to feed it into OBS to capture it. Yeah. Otherwise, it, you know, it wouldn't work. Yeah. It's like, oh, another thing to, like, you know, to go wrong, possibly. It's all those sorts of things that are, you know, and what are we going to say? And what happens if something goes wrong? Oh, I've got to hack and figure it out. Eh? You know, that's, that's the, the terrifying and exciting part of it. Have you, have you come across a little product called Stream Deck? Stream Deck, yes. Um, I use, well, I use um, uh, Streamlabs, um, mm -hmm. the web service to, to do my chat and to do the events, my people following and everything. And I'm this far, I'm holding my, my thumb and forefinger about an inch apart. Uh, I'm this far from uh, buying uh, myself a, um, the, the Stream Deck. I, I saw on the picture you tweeted the other day, actually, your, of your nice desk, desk setup that you had a, had a Stream Deck. I do. And that's the Elgato uh, hardware, you know, uh, virtual, not virtual, physical buttons that are dynamic and programmable. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the thing with Stream Deck is, is that you have, it's essentially like a... Um, a mini mixer. You could, you could almost think of it as a mini mixer. And so what you can do is you can program each button to accept a specific input. And, you know, it might be, I don't know, it might be Twitter, it might be um, something from another feed, it can be whatever you want, basically. And that in turn can then be fed into OBS so that, um, you know, you can effectively set up what amounts to split screens and all sorts of things that, uh, um, that enhance the, 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 the video as you're going through. Um, and the theory is, is that it makes life a little bit easier. It does make life easier, that is for sure true, but um, the more you go into this stuff, the more I find that you, you have to spend a little bit more time planning than perhaps you, you would have thought. You know, it's, it's no longer the case, oh, switch the camera on, let's go. It's, okay, well, what are we actually going to try and do here? What would be the best way of achieving it? What kind of things could we bring in that would be useful? How are we going to bring them in without the screen looking terrible? It's there's quite a lot to think about, and very much like yourself, I, I spend a tremendous amount of time on YouTube trying to dig up how-to or um, uh, those kinds of video that are going to show me how to 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 get from here to there. Um, because, like, just every, everybody else in this game, we're learning, aren't we? <laughs> oh, go, goodness me! I mean, I spent most of the uh, you know the time I took over, over Christmas trying to get my head around things like, which I now know, uh, I know now, but I have no idea of, I even had to know about, um, uh, video encoding, bit rates, yeah. screen resolution, scaled resolution, scaling software, yeah. just to get everything right so it looks good and is readable, yeah. uh, and, and so on. So, but you, uh, you, you made a really interesting point about, you know, equipment and, you know, getting deeper and deeper into this whole thing. You know, you see some uh, streamer setups, um, you know, like you say, you watch YouTube and you try and learn from people, and they've got whole studios and different lighting and, and green screens, you know, with the with the um, um, the chroma key and so on. Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to balance that with, well, for example, you know, for example, it's the 15th of March next month, I'm going to be attending and speaking at SAP Inside Track Maidenhead. Right. It's a Friday, so I wanted to still be able to do my live stream, mm -hmm. but all I have is my laptop. Right. So, you know, I don't want to go too far with uh, becoming reliant on extra equipment that I won't have with me all the time. So it's a balance. Yeah, that, the, the good news, though, here, uh, DJ, is, is that life is a lot easier these days than it used to be, okay? Um, oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, I mean, if I look at the setup that I've got today, I mean, you know, the question was put to me, well, you, you, over the years you've accumulated so much stuff. I mean, I've got stuff all over the place, right? Um, you know, variety of mixers, a variety of mics, a variety of this and that and the other, and cameras and goodness knows what and lighting. And and what I did was because I knew that I was going to be moving into an uh, into an, an office environment, a proper office environment, and away from the house. 
Um, I just thought, you know what, let's try and rethink this for, for where we are in 2019, not with the kit that I have accumulated since 2004 or whatever the heck, yeah? yeah? And that's led, even though, you know, you look at the desk here and you think, my God, there's a lot of wires here. And there are. There's, there's a lot of equipment here at the end of the day. It's a heck of a lot less than we used to have. And it's a heck of a lot simpler to operate. And, for instance, I, you know, I'm recording this right now using... Um, a piece of uh, a piece of hardware which I really really like the the, the roadcaster, um, and the reason I like it is because I don't have to muck about with what's called mix minus, so that you know I can talk to you over the phone, record it at the same time without you having the feedback problem that um, otherwise arises, and just for that feature alone, you know it was worth every penny of the of the five hundred odd quid that I paid for it. And also because of using services like Zoom as opposed to, unfortunately, Skype, which, you know, whether any of us like it or not, just hasn't had the development time as far as I'm concerned, um, means that I get clean recordings. Um, I can see what's going on. Um, it's I have very little editing work as a result of this, which is a huge bonus. Um, and, and it all just works, right? Whereas years ago... You, you really did have to know an awful lot in order to be able to make any kind of conversation of this type available and, and recordable in decent, um, in decent quality. So, um, yeah, the, the investments have not been trivial, but they've been absolutely worth it. But I, have, I totally take your point about how the heck do we get, put this stuff on the road. Good luck with that one, <laughs> is, is all I'd say at the minute, DJ. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about that sort of in the background all the time. Um, so I'll probably just do a minimal thing and, and sure. almost like make, make a feature of it. You know, I'm on the road, therefore, you know, you'll see, for example, you know, well, you'll know this as well. So um, OBS, I've got different scenes set up, you know, the opening scene, the standby scene, the, the interview scene, the main screen share scene and everything. And switching between those, you know, I think when I do it, when I'm in, uh, in Maiden at SAP, uh, for the inside track, I'll be, uh, you know, on a single screen on my laptop, so people will see behind the scenes, as it were. So, but I think that's also okay because you know, as a as a as a viewer, I would also be interested to see how it works behind the scenes. Right. Uh, so yeah, and that's 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 where, for example, Stream Deck, the Stream Deck physical hardware thing, would be really useful to switch between scenes. Right? And it's a tiny little thing. It's I mean, it, it fits in the palm of your hand. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. just plug it in wherever you need it. Thank you very much. Well, plug it into your machine. That's it. You're done. Yeah. So look, that's let's sure. When you, when you're doing these live streams, let's get, let's get into this a little bit more. What what is the what is the the focus of the content there? What is it that you're talking about to these um, to these folk? Okay, that's a great question, actually. Um, so um, the backbone focus, as in you know the thing that will carry us through the different episodes as a theme that we can sort of you know use as a as a trunk and branch off, um, is the SAP Cloud Application Programming. Um, so that's that's relatively new. Um, you know, it's been around for a couple of years, but you know, for many of us, it's it's still relatively new. And that fits into the earlier part of our conversation, um, which we you know, which we had before we started this uh, call, which was about you know cloud native programming and you know moving to a more agile, uh, a more rapid way of being able to develop stuff. Um, you know both from an extension point of view in the cloud, but also, you know, building net new applications as well. So the application programming model um, is, you know, a wonderful set, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, a wonderful set of um, 
conventions of, of modeling abstraction uh, uh, modeling abstraction language which is CDS uh, and also you know um, out of the box services that you know you can you can use uh, for free without having to build you know basic stuff so all the all the create read up delete create read update delete and query stuff that you'd have to build normally yourself mm. for odata for example that just that just happens and all you do is hooking your extensions to modify what happens when a when a query request on this particular entity comes in for example and that um, so that's the backbone it's the application programming model um, we're looking right now at the node.js flavor you know the application programming model is a model uh, in and of itself and there are you know different flavors that you can use is, is node.js javascript and java we're looking at the node.js one because um, because javascript but also because one of the really nice things that I like about um, the application program model is it sort of it, it has an opinion, as in it helps the, the 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 developer work their way through the myriad options and so on, and has an has an opinion on those sorts of things, which is great. Opinionated, mm -hmm. um, in the same way, for example, that Ruby on Rails was like this opinionated convention over configuration framework that really uh, accelerated a lot. You know, a lot of developers workflow and you know uh, development facility because you know it it, it showed them um, a suggested way uh, they could they could branch off but you know it, it, it helped them go quickly um, but it also because because it's also unopinionated as in it doesn't dictate what development environment you use you know so we started out with vim uh, then now we're using VS Code, Visual Studio Code, which is a great piece of software. Um, and next week, or maybe in a couple of weeks' time, we'll be using the Web IDE. Um, so that's what. Sorry, that was a very long answer to your question, but that's that's what we're doing in the application program. But we're doing all sorts of different things. Sort of, you know, we're going off piece here and off piece there. Um, I'd like to dig into the language server protocol, which is another um, really cool. Um, uh, concept that came out of uh, Redmond as well um, to do with the way that um, language features in editors and IDEs can be implemented in a lot more uh, efficient way. When you say language features, what do you mean by language features? Because that has different connotations for different purposes. Yes, no, you're, you're right. I, I knew that I was a bit vague. Sorry. Um, so, uh, language features in that, you know, when you're using um, an IDE, let's say you use an IDE to write some JavaScript mm -hmm. and you'll get syntax highlighting, you'll be able to sort of, you know, jump from um, the use of a function and press a, press a key to jump to that function's definition. You'll get um, uh, um, keyword completion, for example. You know, you, you might type in array dot and then you'll have a little choice of array dot um, uh, filter, array dot map, array dot reduce and everything. So all these different language features for the developer as they're writing in the editor. Now, these language features obviously only work because of knowledge about the language. Um, and that's, you know, that's, a, that's a lot of work to do per language, per IDE. So you can imagine like you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an exponential amount of effort to build language features, mm. multiple languages in um, multiple editors and IDEs. Mm -hmm. Language server protocol is an idea that basically you know, pulls that apart and abstracts it. So you have a language server for language X, like JavaScript, and language clients, uh, VS Code, Vim, Eclipse, what, you know, uh, NetBeans, that then talk to that server and um, use 
that language server's knowledge of the language to actually provide these features that I've just been talking about. Okay, so really, really nice idea. Yeah, so that that to a, to a degree plays to one of the other things that we were talking about off of off of this, and that's the business of being able to develop um, rather more quickly than. A classic waterfall, yeah. right? So, um, I mean, when you talk Node.js, I mean, I always associate Node as being very much server-side, right? Is, am I correct? That's correct, yes, yes. I mean, uh, yeah, Node Node is, is basically uh, server-side JavaScript. Right, it, okay. That's a very, very uh, high-level comment, but yeah, that, that's correct. Okay. It's still JavaScript, yeah. but it's Node-flavored JavaScript. Right, 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 right. And, and from everything that I've seen, it's... It's still one of the most popular ones to to be running with, especially in the JavaScript world, right? It is, yes. I, I think it, it appeals for a number. Of, you know, it appeals to me, for example. I can't speak for anybody else, but it appeals to me for a number of reasons. One is that you know when I when I build front ends with UI five, for example, I'm writing JavaScript, and therefore when I'm building a back end, I'm using the same language. You know, uh, it, it's obviously you know uh, less strain on my my poor little brain to to switch languages between front end and back end. So that's a, that's Secondly, the um, the Node uh, development community has uh, come up with so many different useful packages um, that are managed by this thing that I'm sure people have heard of called NPM Node Package Manager. That um, you know, there's there's a whole industry uh, of of people building packages and making those available. Um, that that's also a very useful thing. So let's say I, I want to build, you know, I want to spin up a little web server, write it in Node. I'll just use, you know, I'll just install the Express package. It's a very, a very nice, structured, formal way of, of building building projects and, and bringing in dependencies and developer de- development uh, dependencies, runtime dependencies, and so on. Mm, okay, let's just switch gears a little bit here, um, DJ, and talk about um, open source in a in a perhaps a, a broader context because. Um, you know, for for some time now, you, your company has been talking about wanting to support or actually supporting open source. Um, and my initial take on it was, well, yeah, okay, anybody can throw a bit of money over the wall and say, hey, we're supporting open source. But open source support really really means a lot of code. And again, when I was looking at it in the early days, it was like, well, yeah, okay, there isn't a, there aren't a huge number of um, SAP repositories sitting around in, in GitHub, but from what I can understand, that's changed or changing quite quite rapidly. Is is that something that you're seeing as well? Because I know you're an open source uh, fan. Uh, well, you got to be if you're going to be using the technologies you are. But what are, what are you seeing now? Yes. yes? Yeah, I mean that, that's very true. Uh, yes, I am seeing that. I mean, um, you know, SAP has you know has uh, a lot of history with open source, and you know, I, I could really, I'm, I'm sure you. You won't. I won't be doing any favors by reeling off the normal stuff that people reel off about that. You know, about biggest committed to Eclipse outside of Eclipse Foundation, blah blah blah, which is you know, which is great. But more specifically, the stuff that you're referring to, yes. I mean, um, there's the SAP, uh, you know, GitHub.com/sap uh, um, user or a project, and we're seeing more and more, um, more and more software being uh, made available. In, in that area, you know, mm-hmm. on, so on, literally on the on the public GitHub uh, system, mm-hmm. and a lot of the uh, so, for example, if we just take an example, if you look at the uh, TechEd uh, 2018 um, hands-on content, mm-hmm. quite a bit of that, um, especially in this area that you know we've just been talking about the application programming model, for example, and but also other areas, the actual content for the TechEd mm-hmm. uh, for the hands-on um, folks is on GitHub. 
You know, right. it's like, okay, well, the best thing you need to do is log on, uh, log up, start your browser and go to this GitHub URL. Mm-hmm. And there's the code, there's the instructions, there's all the uh, stuff that's written in Markdown and everything. Um, so, yeah, that, that you know, I, I don't know how it was before from an inside of SAP point of view. I'm, not only, I, I, I'm about to uh, hit my year one anniversary uh, in, in uh, next week, actually. Um, Congratulations. From an outside, well, thank you very much. From an outsider's perspective, um, yeah, I mean, you, you didn't really see that much from SAP uh, in, in GitHub, you know, a few years ago, but yeah. Yeah, it, that, that's growing a lot. And in fact, a colleague of mine, John Baker, um, also in DevRel, you know, he's doing doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes to, to help make that happen with, with SAP's open source office. Right, right, right. Do you think that, I mean, maybe I'm asking you a question that, that you that, that's not easy for you to answer in some senses, but do you think that um, Microsoft having acquired GitHub opens up opportunities or does it close them down? Um, and the reason that I ask this is because traditionally, it used to be the case years and years ago, you know, Microsoft um, won the desktop because it enabled developers and because it enabled partners and because it enabled a channel, right? And the, the, it seemed to me that when when they acquired GitHub, the... People fell into two two very distinct camps. They either thought it was a wonderful idea or thought it was terrible. Yeah, um, I think I've come to the conclusion personally that I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea, given the the, the change in attitude towards developers, con- uh, continuing the uh, the change in attitude towards open source from Microsoft itself, as opposed to everything's got to be bloody Windows, right? Um, but but what's your sense, given given where we are at the moment, or maybe you don't have an opinion? Lord, you know me. I've got opinions on everything. Um, yes. uh, so, I I think it's a great it's a great move. Um, and I know there's a lot of people who may be listening to this uh, recording uh, you know, who are falling or picking themselves up off the floor or you know wiping up the coffee from the desk. But you know, um, I think I think it was uh, has done wonders for GitHub. Um, one of the one of the ace moves in this context. Uh, was putting Nat Friedman as CEO of GitHub. Uh, Nat's an awesome guy. Um, for those of you who don't know, you know he he, he works a lot with Miguel de Casa on this sort of Simeon sort of the, the mono .dot net um, uh, shadow of the whole .dot net framework that was obviously until then just Windows based. Mm. Um, and he's done all sorts of other cool stuff as well. Um, uh, in fact, he's he's a really interesting um, memory. Uh, he did this thing called Dashboard which is this sort of context-sensitive thing that sat at the side of your screen and showed you stuff that was related to what you were looking at on the rest of your screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I built an extension for that. And this was like 20 years ago. Um, I'm seeing a lot of the the, the philosophy and the, and the spirit of Dashboard alive and well in you know what, what um, we're doing with Copilot, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's awesome. But anyway, uh, so uh, Nat Freeman, as CEO, I think that's injected a lot of uh, enthusiastic um, energy into, as a user of GitHub, mm. I'm seeing new features pop up here and there, you know, small bits and pieces, but, you know, like for developers, it's like, yes, that's what I've been looking for, or yes, I didn't even know I wanted that, but that's great. Mm. Plus, um, when I attended DevRelCon in London um, back in October, November last year, mm. um big presence from uh, GitHub, and the folks there were absolutely awesome. And I'm, I, maybe I'm putting two and two together in day five, but one of the things I really picked up was that 
I think this acquisition has allowed GitHub to become bigger than it was in terms of scope. So there's all sorts of stuff relating to um, education and building systems that allow people to build learning platforms. Um, plus, of course, you know, I'm sure you, I know you looked at this before and, you know, people like James, the uh, governor, have talked about this before as well, which is, you know, GitHub is getting into the, um, the status of the server. You'll have to excuse my, <laughs> have to excuse the thingy in the background. I'll just uh, try and shut it off a second. Carry on, DJ. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. No, no, I, I, all I was saying was that um, GitHub is more than just, um, you know, Git repos plus plus. It's, you know, it's, it, it's a whole platform for uh, continuous integration, for building um, services, you know, not just uh, them building services, but us building services. So I think I think it's given the GitHub um, organization, uh, you know, a pretty good boost. Right, right. Isn't that a wonderful sound in the background there? <laughs> it sounds like either a dentist um, or. Uh, no, what it is is that they've got a, they're refurbishing an office next door, and uh, um, oh. there, there are limits to how much I can shield the sound from that coming away here. But never mind, never mind. Anyway, look, DJ, what's next for you? What's 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 on the horizon for you, and what's uh, what should we be looking forward to, other than beer, which we can talk about other as well. <laughs> what else is there other than beer and coding? Um, no, and running. Uh, uh, to be honest, you know, I'd like to be, be like really, uh, really cool and say something off the wall, but no, actually, uh, next for me is, you know, the continuation of this live stream, maybe building it out. Um, I'm talking to some colleagues as well, hoping that I can, I can persuade them to do some live streaming as well, because, you know, my colleagues are awesome and they've got so much to share uh, in different areas as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just, just more of a, I mean, one thing I, I really enjoyed last year was my Monday morning thoughts, series of blog posts, which sort of became a you know a weekly series almost by accident yeah. um and you know i i enjoy doing those so i'm enjoy i'm going to enjoy making this into a, a regular thing um one thing i do want to do um is do a do a live stream schedule where i manage to catch the us um because you know i deliberately chose the schedule at 8am on a, you know manchester time so i can catch uh, europe india and australia yeah. but of course i'm missing out so I, I want to do a US sort of edition. Mm -hmm. um, Are they ready for it? Just, just Are they ready for it, do you think? Well, I, I, I hope so, because they're going to get it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think they're definitely ready for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just, just more of the same. Keep on running, keep on drinking, keep on hacking, keep on streaming. Well, that sounds like a great place to call this particular uh, show to a close, DJ, and... Um, I know that you've got things to do and so have I uh, later in the day. It's been fantastic talking with you. <laughs> We've covered an awful lot of ground. Hopefully somebody gets something out of it, right? Hopefully. I did, certainly. Thank you, Dennis. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, 